Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast. The first of the new year, 2022, is here. That's ridiculous and still really hasn't set in. But we are back again. I am joined alongside Mr. Sin for the Wind and Mr. Endo Mills. We are here on a Tuesday, as we will be uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, moving forward, it'll be Tuesdays and Fridays once again. Uh, thanks to Sin and I's commitment with, of course, NHL Gamer. We talked about that in the last episode. Now the season got pushed back a week, so that'll be starting the uh, the 10th, I do believe. The 10th. So it's going to be a very busy time for everyone involved here. Sin and I doing commentary. I'm flooding Endo with anything work. 2022. We're all on the grind. We're getting after it. Uh, we are here to talk about some hockey. Imagine that. There's some hockey to talk about instead of everything being doom and gloom over the holiday season, unfortunately, pretty much when talking about uh, the world of hockey. So, hey, that'll be a lot of fun. We will get right down to business, but of course, as always, have to mention this podcast is still brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. You can still use code Tuki at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping to get the best tools for the job when it comes to taking care of business. Again, from your head to your feet, if you need something done, you need some work done, Manscaped is the place to be. Endo just thought of something, from, and he's trying head, to hold back. From your head to your feet, uh, and between your schmeet, you know, manscaped. There you go. What? Between your what? Between your schmeet. <laughs> what the f- Oh, meat. Uh, I, I thought schmeet yeah. was some kind of new word. Don't want him to have any shvetty balls, the, so the you gotta TikTok use manscaped kids sure were using. Can I get away with having, can I get away with having schmeet as the episode title? Yeah, probably. We're going to try. I was going to say 2022, but, you know. Ooh, that's pretty yeah. interesting. Or 2022, T-O-O. Uh, oh, boy. All right. Well, hey, we always end up with uh, a couple of different options for episode titles. We'll see what more we come up with as we go along. Manscaped, Code Toogie, 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. Check them out if you haven't already. And again, a big thank you to Manscaped for sticking with us here, heading in to the new year. Can't imagine. They're beautiful. Huh? I was just going to say, I can't imagine why they wouldn't stick with us. That's a brilliant ad read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as mentioned, uh, again, we, we have some hockey, hockey stuff to talk about, but we mentioned at the end of the last show, you know, we had to kind of dive into a lot of football talk. We had to dive into talking about the holidays and our goals for 2022 because we wanted to kind of leave a lot of that negativity of last year behind and get back to more of a middle ground. You know, I think in terms of what the sport of hockey has been, how it's been affected by outside influences, uh, you know, you always try to find that middle ground between, okay, you don't want to be too doom and gloom, but let's be honest, you, you can't really be fully positive all the time when we've had a lot of the stories that we've had in the hockey world in the past three to four months that would almost come off as disingenuous in some ways. But we want to start off today's show with what I'm calling the good news category, because there were actually some good stories in the past couple of days. Now, Endo found a way to bring up a little bit of a negative spin to this first one, but yeah, uh, right. the ECHL's Atlanta Gladiators have signed, and I believe Endo pronounced it, Matt Gamersik. Uh, he is the first survivor of the Humboldt Broncos bus accident to sign a professional contract, which is just awesome. Yeah. Like, in terms of starting off good years, like, we just passed, what, was it been four years 
since that happened, if not slightly longer. Like it's in, it's insane to think about how long it's been since that happened. And honestly, it's just great news, right? Because out of that incident, you almost expected nobody to be able to go on and still play professional hockey. Now, as Endo has mentioned, and actually I'm looking, it's been three years. It feels like uh, I'm not surprised it's been three years. Let's yeah, be honest. Something that happened four. three years ago was bound to feel like it happened four or five years ago with how mm-hmm. things have gone. But Endo did want to bring something up in relation to this type of signing because it might not be the last time we see a signing like this. Uh, yes. So uh, a current situation right now going on in the um, – he played recently with uh, in OUA, which is the Ontario University's um, Association for Athletics. And – there's a certain situation happening at the moment in regards to closures because of, I hate to say it, COVID. And he's one of the first players to jump ship from the OUA to go play in the ECHL to continue his season. Um, the reason why I say this he's one of the first is because they're shutting down stuff. The Apparently, Ontario government hasn't deemed that um, the highest level of play for university athletes isn't deemed elite athletics. Uh, meanwhile, you have like the OHL going through and some major junior leagues are also shut down as well. I know the OJHL is shut down and like I don't want to talk about the doom and gloom, but this is definitely not going to be the first guy we see sign over and play professional hockey. I believe this also voids his possibility of returning back to um, U Sports because I believe once you're paid uh, a salary, you can't go back similar to the NCAA, NCAA. Hmm. But um, good for him. Great way to find a certain light at the end of the tunnel with the season looking kind of way it is. Um, possibly a, tra- a trailblazer in uh, in that league, for sure. On top of that, there was the story from this past weekend of Canucks equipment manager Red Hamilton. Uh, there was a fan by the name of Nadia, I believe it's Popovici. Uh, she was sitting behind the bench, I believe, and spotted a mole on his neck that was found to be uh, early stage, you know, cancerous. And because she spotted this, he's going to be okay. It's not going to develop into a further situation. And I want to give full credit to the Kraken and the Canucks here, because the Canucks were able to get her, or I guess she was already there to begin with, but they're essentially giving her $10,000 towards her medical school funding. This is the type of story that we needed in 2022. Yes. Like, just someone being like, I'm a medical student. You need to get that checked out. And then the teams and everybody embracing that and just being like, oh, my God, you're you're a hero. And just more of this, please. And that person listening to medical advice, too. Fucking amazing. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) You can try to avoid it, but at the end of the day, it always circles back. But. Oh, man. Yeah, this was just awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's not too much to, to hammer on that point of, but just, you know, to have to have a story like that so early on and, again, to see the teams do right by her and, you know, give her good opportunities and, I mean, obviously to send money her way as well is, is awesome as well. And then there was another story that I wanted to bring up, too, that honestly, like, we'll put it this way. So, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here on the pronunciation, but Bridget... Very French name, and I'm I'm apologizing. She is a silver medalist for the Canadian uh, women's Olympic hockey team. She has been hired as a scout by the Chicago Blackhawks, and in doing so has become the first indigenous woman to scout for an NHL team. 
which is also awesome. Obviously, though, and we we know we knew this, right? Like whenever a team like Chicago or Montreal does something, we sit there and say, you know what? It what is the is, is there more to this than just hiring someone who's best for the job, especially when you talk about what Chicago and Montreal and the controversies they've uh, undergone in the past year? Um, but there was a comment. It was actually the top comment on Reddit, and I completely agree with this. Like, There is a way to not essentially give the Blackhawks positive recognition, but at the same time, you don't want to minimize her accomplishment and what she'll bring to the team because it's not like they just went like, her, like, she was an Olympian. She is more than likely very well suited and qualified for the job. Yeah. So I think it's just the, in the way people handle things. But, uh, you know, hey, one of the rare occasions in the past couple months, we've been able to say, good job, Chicago. Yeah. Well, here's what I'll say. It's not necessarily Chicago giving her the job. She fucking earned that job. That's, oh, yeah. that's how I, I look exactly. at it. You know, it's... Uh, who cares what Chicago's you know motivations are behind it? They're getting probably a very talented hockey mind and whatever. She earned that, and yeah, some of the some of the people saying you know while you may be coming trying to come from a correct place by saying oh Chicago's just doing this, you're essentially echoing some of the sentiments that surround women in 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 hockey right now is that they only get something because of you know people trying to hit some kind of quota or whatever. Like she's cl- very clearly qualified. Chicago may have whatever motivations, but they made an absolutely great decision by hiring, you know, a great person for that role. So, yeah, in my opinion, that's how to look at it. She earned that job. Think you nailed it. So, again, wanted to start off the show with a couple of more positive topics to discuss today because, obviously, we've all had enough negativity in the past couple of years Now, we haven't done a show since last Wednesday. We don't want to sit here and cover six days worth of games, especially when half of them weren't even played. Uh, But a couple of things that have happened here in the past week, and then heading into uh, our second show of the week, we'll get back into kind of talking about the day-by-day. I do want to note off the top, or off the top of this segment, I guess, that normally, first show of the month, we end up talking about our updated awards predictions. I elected to have us not do that. Because it's it's kind of difficult right now, obviously, due to all the postponements. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a team, and I was going to mention it later. We can mention it now. You know, you talk about a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, who beat Ottawa six to nothing on Saturday. They had two and a half weeks off. It's kind of tough to compare Toronto to maybe a team that did not stop playing towards the middle or end of December, and talking about where exactly people are in terms of of that particular. Uh, Ray Sendo, since I brought it up, any thoughts from uh, that game on Saturday, if you were able to catch it? Um, Ilya Mikhaev is an absolute legend. I'm glad that he's So I missed this, but what happened? Because out of nowhere, it went from, like, when Mikhaev debuted, and it's, oh my god, he's the best, he's so fast, and it's great. And then, like, all that hype died after he got hurt and came back, and it was never the same. And now, all of a sudden, after this weekend, it's like the hype is, is... Biggest it's ever been. What the hell happened? Um, I think what happened is um, Maple Leafs fans forgot how good of a talent he was, and how how much of a steal it was to grab him for what was it? What was league minimum at the time? And when he's healthy, he's great. He's an absolute stud player. But the thing is, when he's healthy, because he had the wrist injury, then he had injury again. Mm-hmm. I think he tried to rush himself back, so it wasn't at the same level. Um, and I think having extra time to heal and get ready. And be basically fully ready to go. Basically helped him out uh, in the long run. 
basically. Keep saying basically a lot, but honestly, that's how that's how it was. He had more time to heal. That's the thing that you said too. A lot of they had like two weeks off because of COVID and games were scheduled. They were able to bounce back and basically hop on a team that's clearly not at their level like anymore. Want to talk a little bit about the New Jersey Devils. Uh, first and foremost, uh, one of the negative aspects. Shout out to P.K. Subban, who attempted to slowfoot Garnet Hathaway. <laughs> How many times this season alone have we mentioned P.K. Subban and slowfooting? This is five um, or six at least. He's trying to get the punch card. The problem the- is, and I agree with this take that people had in response on certain threads, the the consensus most people come up with is, oh, well, he won't be punished until he seriously hurts somebody. He already injured Sammy Blay this year. Yeah, his whole year's over. Sammy Blay's fucking career, or not career, his season's over because of that. He, like, I don't yeah, know. He hurt crazy. Ryan Reeves, and everyone thought that he was going to be done for the year, but he's, he's fine now, like, but still. It, it, what What's it going to take? I don't know what's going to take. He's clearly profiting off of uh, Perot and the DOPS, just not doing anything for him. They're going to have, what, an in-person hearing? Give him, like, a pat on the back? Be like, good job, you're making me proud? Like, what do you, what what more do you want? I, I have no idea. I've talked about it on the show. I like P.K. Subban a lot, but it is very obvious. This is a 32-year-old player with an injury history who does not have the same motor and mobility that he used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does have 13 uh, points in 30 games played so far this year, but he's going to hurt somebody again. I mean, again, I can't help but say it. Like, P.K. Subban doesn't have the reputation for being an overly dirty player, I'd say, up until this year. I mean, there were some moments, maybe. If this was Brad Marchand, do you think this would have been snuffed out already? That there would have been a suspension already? Oh, yeah. Tom Wilson? Oh, yeah. So I I don't understand the lack of of action here. And uh, P.K. has only 16 penalty minutes in 30 games so far this year. And here's the thing that bugs me about situations like this. It's like, yeah, they don't have the reputation... Here's the thing. They would have the reputation if you called it once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they have a history. That, that's happened so many times. I've seen so many, in my opinion, those dirty kind of players getting punished for something. But because they haven't been punished before, they don't have a history. It's like the definition of history is so friggin' subjective. And that whole Tim Peel thing of like, oh, Subban's such a great guy. It's just a bad habit that slipped into his game. This is a dangerous habit. And yeah, if mm-hmm. it, it, uh, at this point, it does look like second nature to him. He does it constantly. That's not an excuse. You know, this cool. is it's it's dangerous as hell. He ended someone's season. It has to be addressed. And I don't know how they're going to do it, but it has to be addressed. And it not before he hurts someone else because it, it's dangerous. Yeah, I think it leads to the conversation. Sorry to cut you off, Endo. But in a way, it kind of leads into this. Uh, a lot of Leafs fans. Shout out to Steve Dangle Podcast. I've mentioned in the past people like, oh, like Charlie McAvoy is kind of sneaky dirty. And Bruins fans are like, what the hell are you talking about? There's no history. To Sin's point, certain things were called. Maybe there'd be a little bit more of a, an on-paper track record yeah. for someone like a P.K. Subban. Like Jumbo. So it just leads. Jumbo sneaky dirty. <laughs> and I know a lot of people don't view him as that. And I hate to say it because he's. it's funny the way he does it. It's still sneaky dirty. Like people will slash him and he'll kind of just jut his stick up right in between their legs very subtly like it's that's still like old school but it's still dirty man like yeah (laughs) yeah so it it just leads into that whole conversation about 
officiating, which, God, we've had plenty of times. We're going to continue to have to have because P.K. Subban will uh, apparently keep getting away with this. I mean, yeah, I'm going to say nothing throughout, but like anything that a guy who openly went on a hot mic and said, like, oh, he's going to like basically like and I'm not going to trust Tim Peel and take what his word for granted after getting caught on the hot mic with all that situation, what he said. I mean, I'm sure Tim Peel would love to have PK Subban come over for Thanksgiving dinner with the family. Oh yeah, I'd like that. I'm. I would love. Who would PK sounds like a dope dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you had the option to just be like, hey, PK Subban wants to hang out with you. I'm out. I'm gone. I'm gone. He's my family now. He's my uncle. PK is the one (laughs) uncle. PK is the one uncle like in everyone's family, which is kind of weird. Like, have you and seen his, like, Instagram stories Always down for fun. And Probably never, yeah. ever has kids of his own, but he gets to borrow all of his siblings' kids and then give them back, and that's the best. That's the best uncle. Pretty, I had yeah, one like pretty that. Much. Yeah. Pretty much, honestly. For the New Jersey Devils as well, though, uh, we have a couple of interesting talking points aside from P.K. Subban's uh, on-ice tendencies that have just slipped into his game. Uh, the Devils, as of late, We talked about Jack Hughes when he was first injured and maybe some of the concerns there. Jack Hughes has been fantastic this season is the uh, best way to put it. I'm trying to bring up his most recent games. And let's see, in his last uh, three games, actually, because there was was a bit of a break. December 18th, they played Detroit, no points. December 19th, they played Pittsburgh, no points. Then you jump all the way to December 29th. And post-Christmas, Jack Hughes is legit. Uh, Three points against Buffalo, three points against Edmonton, two points against the Washington Capitals in his last three games. He's a point-per-game player on the season right now, 16 in 16. So that side of things for the Devils is looking great. And then you get the news of Dougie Hamilton's injury. Now, he's not the only guy injured. Apparently, Jonathan Bernier has a hip injury. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. Dougie Hamilton has a broken jaw. I believe he is going to have surgery on it this week and is out indefinitely. The Devils right now are at 33 games played and have 31 points. The Bruins are in the second wildcard spot on 34 points. Oh, not that bad. They're only three points back. The Bruins have five games at hand. And they actually play tonight, uh, Tuesday night as of the time of recording here. It just makes you wonder how much bad luck the Devils could possibly suffer from and still potentially make the playoffs. Um, you know, I think we had that conversation at the start of the year, like, man, the addition of Dougie Hamilton, and if certain players keep developing, good things could happen. But uh, for uh, as nice it is, as it is to see someone like Jack Hughes doing as well as he is, it's just, there's a lot of hits. And a lot of teams are kind of undergoing stuff like this where it's just, that bad luck. It just seems to be one hit after another. I'd be I'd be a little bit worried if I was a Devils fan about uh, this season. I was looking at their stat line here. Uh, do you guys care to guess what Mackenzie Blackwood's save percentage is on the season? Is it good or is it bad? Not good. Really? Uh, he he has played 19 games. I'm gonna say he like has a 3... 890. 830. Yeah. <laughs> he has a 3-2-2 goals against average with an 897 save percentage. Okay. Now, this is a goalie who was viewed as certainly on the rise. I mean, the funny thing is, like his, his stats don't necessarily line up to his reputation. I mean, he had a 918 and 1819. Pretty damn good. 23 games. 915 the next year. 
But then last year he had a 902, and now this year he has an 897. Mm. This was a guy that a lot of people were talking like, oh, well, maybe he's the starter for Canada over Carey Price. Eh. We we obviously know the NHL players aren't going to the Olympics, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, yeah, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens with New Jersey. I don't ever try to figure out why goalies do things that they do, whether it's, you know, how they regress or progress or what good years they have and bad years. It's just, it's insane. And, and, and it's so hard to judge. I feel like not even analytics have really been able to pinpoint why goalies are goaling. I mean, look at all the analytics community trying right now to desperately save face and like figure out why their predictions about Seattle were so awful. And they're like goaltending, but then they still don't have like good models to take that sort of goaltending into account. So, yeah, it's we goalies are just the ultimate enigma in hockey. Yep, as a goalie, I can goalies, agree. Yeah, goalies are voodoo, I'm, as they say. Yeah, like they're voodoo, games, you like, voodoo. There are games like honestly when I play, um, if my skates are too loose or my skates are too tight, it like messes up my whole equilibrium of like how I'm playing on the ice. If my pads you are too think loose, about it the whole are, time, eh? Not yeah, and like my pads <laughs> are too loose, and it'll be like, oh, it's too tight, and I adjust it like mid play or whatever when the puck's on the other end, and then like maybe my helmet's on, maybe because I have long hair, like it like pushes on my helmet too much, maybe that's causing a little bit of a tightness in my head. The one thing that I hate though is when the chest protector, when my chest protector is too tight. I feel claustrophobic and I can't move on the ice. Yeah. It is, no wonder, it is no wonder goalies are fucking voodoo. weird. Yeah. <laughs> and like there's like times when like when I have my stick, I have limited it feels like I have limited movement, but the minute I drop I like I drop my stick and my stick's out of my hand, I'm like flying around like fucking Dominic Hazak. It's ridiculous. It, you never know what it is that would just change your game completely. And it's one of the weirdest positions to play because it's so dependent on just the one guy. I played goalie oh. twice in my uh, high school career for filling in for uh, our, our our natural goalie had like type one diabetes. So a couple times he couldn't play due to that. So first right. game I played, I had like 25 shots against and allowed four goals, which is good in roller hockey. I mean, that's an over like 80, 85 save percentage, which was good for high school. And then yeah. and then we got <laughs> the next game we played. We did play a team a division higher than us, to be fair. But yeah, the next time I played goalie, we got mercied nine to one. And I was like, well, I mean, allowed, like, I those nine goals of like 20 shots. I was just, I mean, like roller hockey games are usually uh, high scoring anyway, because mm-hmm. of, because of the way it is and the way it's played. That's why um, I was proud to only allow four in my literal first goalie game. Yeah. That's commendable. Then I got, then I got fucking lit up. The next <laughs> one, And I felt like shit like the, the set, it was the first shot went in too. And that was the worst. Like after that, I was just out, I was gone. Like, so yeah, I, 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 I don't know how goalies do that on a consistent basis. Because I, I can't handle it mentally. I already know that. <laughs> yeah. In terms of some of the other games that happened uh, over this past week or so, uh, did you guys catch the Hurricanes-Blue Jackets game on Saturday? Where Carolina... Oh, yes. I uh, did. I saw the highlights. <laughs> Carolina was down 4 to nothing midway through the second period. Columbus in the driver's seat. The final score of the game was 7-4, to four, Carolina. <laughs> they scored seven. Seven. There's been some weird comeback goals. games. Like, bizarre comeback games recently. Like, that's a theme. It's wh- this. Why does this NHL season seem to have a theme? The beginning of the season theme. All these teams that aren't supposed to be doing good are doing good. All these players who come out of nowhere are doing good. And now it's like we've hit the point in the season where it's like, all right, it's time for ridiculous and stupid comebacks all over the ice. I mean... 
yeah, the Sharks came back from down 6-1 or 6-2 and almost tied it. So <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, so but yeah, that Columbus lol, just lol. I mean, there was the moment, too, where I forget who was in goal for Columbus, but he tried to handle the puck and ran into his own defender, and it was just an absolute calamity for them. And you mentioned the Sharks game, and how about that Sharks-Penguins game on Sunday? I saw you live-tweeting some of it. Yeah. That was entertaining. I haven't been live-tweeting, but that game needed me to live-tweet, or my my psyche needed me to (laughs) live-tweet. The Penguins win 8-5. to five. Both Evan Rodriguez and Brian Rust recorded hat tricks. If you ever wanted a chance one more time to just vent about this game, the floor is yours. Well, oh, first things first, man. When you, when you hear two Penguins got hat tricks, who do you think of? Clearly not Evan Rodriguez and Brian fucking Rust, but here we are. I think there were mm-hmm. two or, or maybe no, there was one, only one of them was an empty netter. The other one was a power play goal, which at that point might as well have been an empty netter because Sharks defense was <laughs> atrocious. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a stupid game. I woke up early for it and like watched part of the first period. I'm like, this is bullshit. I go back to sleep, wake up. I still got the game on in the background. And then the Sharks start scoring. I'm like, oh, that was kind of neat. I score again. I'm like, all right, I'm all right. You guys did it. I'm back invested. They get within one, and I'm like, no, I don't like this because I know you're gonna let me the fuck down. Carlson gets dragged down. No call. Two minutes later, Matt Nieto makes the stupidest hook of his life and gets called for it. I'm not gonna blame the officiating because when you get beat eight five, there's no goddamn excuse besides your defense. But I will just kind of reiterate what we all want, just consistency in calls. I'm not saying you shouldn't call that Nieto one. I'm saying call that one on Carlson, too, because he literally got, like, yanked down as he was trying to pinch and, like, play the puck, and it led to a rush the other way as, you know, Sharks were trying to tie it. So, again, who's to say they would have tied it? Doesn't matter either way. Show up for a game. That's that's it, Sharks. You guys are, you guys are pretenders. I was about to say... Uh... Because we haven't, I mean, for Endo, obviously, like, hey, we know where he stands with the Leafs. You know, they're in third place in the Atlantic right now. Not a single Leafs fan cares about the regular season. It's about finding that bit of playoff success. So we know yeah. where the hell Endo is. That's right. For, for you, Sin, the Sharks right now uh, currently stand at 35 points in 33 games. They are only three points behind <clears throat> Edmonton for the second wildcard spot. Um... But I, judging by your attitude, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm guessing this is your thought. It would be nice if the Sharks would make it, but you're not expecting them to at this point. Absolutely not. And I honestly, it's it, they're doing exactly what I feared they would at the beginning of the year. They're going to be that bubble team who's going to get close and be, get a crappy draft pick and not make the playoffs, which is against the two things that they need right now. They either need to make a playoff and make the playoffs, do a miracle run, or get a good draft pick. So we're, we're basically uh-huh. leaving it up to chance and bad percentages to to really get what we want this season which really does suck but uh hey we still got Eklund and he's still developing and looking good and still excited about that and some of our other young guns do look good it's just we need another one of those big big draft picks and probably won't come this year I doubt it'll come with Bedard because the Sharks have to keep pushing to be competitive with where they are who knows if we trade Hurdle we got no one to replace that level of talent. We might just tank the next year. Who knows? It it that's 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 the next thing that we're waiting for. I'm waiting for. What is gonna happen with Tomas Hurdle? Because that is 
that's the climax of the Sharks last couple of years is this, this moment. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. What direction do the Sharks take? So I believe they're 20th right now out of 32 in terms of point percentage. So they are literally in that middle ground yeah. of... You're, you're not going to be able to out-tank Arizona, Mm-mm. Montreal, Ottawa, Seattle, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. But you also cannot guarantee yourself a playoff spot, given you know where the middle ground is right now. And specifically, um, if we look only at the Western Conference in terms of point percentage... Like, they're very close to where Vancouver is. They're a little bit behind Dallas. L.A. is in that mix. So, yeah, it, that it's like you're stuck in limbo, right? Like, both of you, in a way. Yeah. I mean, Endo's just like, okay, screw the regular season. Just get to the playoffs. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know where my team's going. Yeah. <laughs> so. And it's, like, you mentioned all those teams. I think the only team we might have a better chance than in that group is Vancouver. And at the same time, I still feel like Vancouver's roster has more raw talent. Um, mm. <laughs> so I mean, maybe, I don't know at the same time, maybe it's close. I think maybe it's a tie, but I mean, you got Hughes, Pedersen, Besser, though, to be fair, some of those guys are severely underperforming, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we're not going to, I, you, you're really going to rely on surpassing Edmonton for that second wild card spot. It's McDavid and Drysaddle are going to heat up again and carry the team on their back. It's just going to happen. Like, simple as that. And the Sharks are just going to continue to flounder, yeah. I think. I mean, we debated talking about Edmonton today because, again, you know, yeah. they are like 3-8-2 and two since December 1st. Um, there's Elliot Friedman said that they're debating making changes. But we can't really talk about Edmonton until something actually happens. Yeah. They're, they're also in that state of limbo. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you were to bet Edmonton or San Jose, who's going to make it? You're going to bet on Connor McDavid and yeah. on Dreisaitl. <laughs> you don't even bet on Edmonton. I'm, I'm betting on Connor McDavid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then for the Bruins as well, to talk about them really quickly, um, they won back-to-back games. They beat the Sabres in overtime on Saturday and then beat the Red Wings 5-1 to on Sunday. The Red Wings win was nice because they actually got some depth Scoring, uh, Eric Halla, Trent Frederick, Tomas Nosek, so that's nice. The problem is, though, for the Bruins, and I've had people ask me, like, oh, hey, do you think the Bruins are going to make the playoffs? And in a way, I'm kind of in that same spot because I'm sorry, but the Bruins likely aren't making top three in the Atlantic. I think that opportunity has already passed them by. The top three in the Atlantic right now, Tampa, 47 points in 34 games. Florida, 46 points in 32 games. So Florida on a better point percentage. And then Toronto has a better point percentage than Tampa as well. They're on 44 points in 31 games. All three, well, okay, Florida and Toronto over a 700, uh, you know, a 0.7 point percentage. Uh, Tampa's at a 0.691. The Bruins are at a 0.607. Like the Bruins are absolutely, unless they go on a massive run in those other three teams, or at least one of them really starts to slip up, despite the Bruins having... Uh, a minimum of three games at hand. They've actually played six fewer games than Tampa already. So they're not totally boned. But it almost feels like the Bruins are going to be in that wild card battle. And that means you're in a wild card battle with the likes of Pittsburgh. That scares me a little bit. Detroit. I mean, they beat Detroit 5-1, to one, but Detroit's still a little bit scary. They're a lot more scary than we thought. Philadelphia, if they could fucking get it together... <laughs> Like, again, like, you look at the talent on that roster, it's like, what is the matter with the Flyers? Uh, 
New Jersey, yeah, but the injury troubles we just talked about. Columbus is still kind of in the mix. Maybe the Islanders start to figure it out and pressure. Like, I, I find it interesting. Like, all three of us right now, it's almost as if the regular season isn't as enjoyable as it should be. Mm-hmm. Endo should be having the most fun. Yeah. Toronto's making the goddamn playoffs, but that doesn't matter. Making the playoffs means fucking nothing to Leafs fans at this point. It's what you do once you're there. Sin's stuck in limbo of... Honestly, kind of worst case scenario. It's like yeah. you right now with how good this draft is, would you not prefer to either just know that you're not getting one of the good picks or have a better chance of getting one of the top picks in the draft yeah. instead of just maybe 10 through 15 yeah, come 10, lottery time? I, I want top 10. It has to be top 10. And that, again, with the way the Sharks are trending, that's going to be based on luck. <laughs> They're not going to be kind of in the situation to guarantee themselves a top 10 pick. I mean, we struck gold with Eklund at 7. Um, mm. that's probably not going to happen again and surely not going to happen again, more than likely outside of the top 10. I mean, it is still a good draft class, but again, it becomes more like the kind of difference maker you need to be a top line guy. Generally, you don't have a great chance of that to happen from 10 to 15 beyond, you know, it's. Mm. And then for, for me as a Bruins fan, it's like, okay, they should be making the playoffs. There's a chance they might not. But even if they do make the playoffs, I'm not 100% confident right now. Um, David Posternock was demoted to the... Like, okay, so here are the Bruins' lines as of five hours ago, according to Cap Friendly. Marshawn, Bergeron, Craig Smith. No, David Posternock's not hurt. He's just not on the top line right now. Uh, Marshawn has 30 points in 23 games. Bergeron's at 24 and 27. Craig Smith, while I like Craig Smith and what he brings... He only has nine points in 21 games. Oof. He's not crushing it. Second line, Taylor Hall, 16 points in 28 games. It's not bad. You're also making six million bucks. Yeah, it's also Taylor Hall. It's supposed to be, yeah. Eric Halla is the current second line center. Six points in 27 games. Oh, no. I'm sorry. And David Posternock has 21 points in 28 games. Only eight goals on the year. And it unfair or not... The conversation with David Posternock within the Bruins fan base is what happened in his personal life over the summer. Um, yeah, for any, it's it's so uncomfortable to even say he had his infant son pass away. Like it's awful. It's horrible. I don't even know how many people know that. I actually uh, a lot didn't. of people might just think like, oh, he's no, struggling. No. But dude, he went through. The one of the worst things that can possibly happen to a human in their life. I personally am not going to sit here and chastise David Posternock for underperforming. Uh, if it's your job in sports media to do that, by all means, you have fun. But that's just what's tough, right? Is because you know David Posternock only having eight goals in 28 games. You know something's going on physically, mentally, whatever, or it's just really bad luck. But. It's also a big part of the reason as to why the Bruins' top three hopes in their division is kind of shot already. And then you look at their depth scoring. Five points for Nick Foligno. 3.8 million bucks. Five points in 20 games. Uh, Charlie Coyle has 16 and 28. He's bounced back pretty well. Um, Oscar Steen. That's a name everybody knows. Oh my God. 23-year-old rookie. Three points in four games. Let's go. Bruins great hope there. Uh, And then fourth line, Frederick, four points in 20 games. Scored his first goal, as I mentioned. 
Uh, that is a former first-round pick in Trent Frederick. He was? Is, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. 29th overall in 2016, Trent uh, Frederick. 29th isn't horrible. But still, it, he's it, Tim, I don't think he's ever really getting out of the like, bottom six. Or, he's or a even bottom, fourth he's line. a bottom he's sixer. He's like a fourth liner, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Sam Steele went after him, which isn't that bad. Tyler Benson, other guys who are kind of in limbo. Um, but, like, Rasmus Asplin for Buffalo's not bad. Uh, you know who went uh, six picks, I believe? Or seven or eight, actually, after? Which? Uh, Jordan Cairo of the St. Louis Blues. That would have been nice. Which draft was this? <laughs> 2016. Oh, you know, uh, Trent Frederick went 29th. You know who went 39th? Alex DeBrinkett. Oof. Yeah. Which everybody missed yeah, but on, he, but, but he's still. Short too. He's short, too, and he doesn't hit. He's Jonathan like, he, Dolan he doesn't play was 42nd. Carter Hart was 48th, for fuck's sake. Take a goalie. I don't, like, <laughs> God damn it. We could get into that. Hey, let's talk more about how the Bruins have fucked up a lot of drafts. Haven't done that enough lately. I did a solo episode on that recently. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, point being, like, I'm worried about the Bruins. Yeah, I think we're all in that interest. But the Bruins have had great goaltending, at least. You know what's funny is all the talk of Tuka Rask coming back. Uh, Linus Allmark has a 919 in 13 games, and Jeremy Swayman has a 920 in 15. The Bruins have had great goaltending, and then Tuka Rask is going to come back. The problem is goaltending's not the issue right yeah. now. So I don't know what the hell they're going to do. But taxi squad? I'm intrigued to finding out. <laughs> hmm? Flip taxi Rask squad Tuka Rask. Like, what is going to happen? Like, he, he doesn't have a contract, does he? No, not official yet. Yeah. No. But he's, they haven't signed him. He's in, he was in e-bug that one time. That was hilarious. Yeah. Wait, he was in e-bug? <laughs> yeah. For one game, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I like that. Uh, and the final game that we wanted to talk about here before we get into uh, pretty much our two bigger conversations, the Winter Classic itself uh, took place on the first, the coldest game in NHL history, I believe it was. Um, I mean, in terms of the game itself, the Blues won 6-4. to four. Like, it was a fairly one-sided game. The Wild kind of started to fight back. It, it was more one-sided than the, than the score shows. I mean, St. Louis scored five goals in the second period alone. Uh, the game itself, though, I mean, I'm always entertained by the Winter Classic. Um, Endo and I just put out a video on the main YouTube channel talking about and ranking the previous Winter Classics. I implore you to check that out if you haven't already. Endo knocked it out of the park with the editing on that one. Yeah, first time in um, six months working on a video for you. Hopefully it's not another six months. <laughs> it better not be. <laughs> it won't, trust me. <laughs> oh, God. But in terms of, like, I don't know if you guys caught the game, but like the the atmosphere of the game, the, the scenes of it, I thought were great. Um, you know, Target Field's a... I, like, I am someone who... I'm not the biggest baseball fan in the world. Like, I like baseball. It's not my number one. Um, once upon a time, it was close, probably, to being my number one. Um, but like, I, I am someone who wants to do the, you know, the, the tour of all the baseball arenas or arenas stadiums. Uh, and I, I want, I, I, I want to go to, I want to go to target field in Minnesota. It looks like it's awesome. Uh, and even just from the way they had the, uh, players skate like that on an ice sick. ramp. <laughs> that was awesome. That was amazing. I didn't watch the game. I saw that. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen enough. I've seen enough. <laughs> it was so good. I, yeah, I, again, like that's something that they hardly ever get wrong with the Winter Classic is the the atmosphere and the making it feel like a big deal, yeah, mm-hmm. and a big event. Uh, it's just a shame that so often the home team fucking blows it and loses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah, you think um, they'd have like an advantage because like it's like their atmosphere, they're used to it. But Nos, mm. they just came out of there just like, you know what? This is ours now. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I, I loved I loved the atmosphere of it. For the Minnesota Wild, though, uh, kind of an underrated story. They've lost five games in a row. Uh, they put Victor Rask on waivers today, which is probably a smart move. Um, reminder, he was once traded one for one for Nino Niederreiter, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, boy, let's look at those stat lines really quick. And as well, they have also uh, called up Matthew Boldy, former first-round pick, and Marco Rossi. And at the very least, uh, the word is they're not expected to be like long-term call-ups unless they really make a difference. But I'm excited especially for Marco Rossi. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you're talking about a guy who lost what could have been his entire uh, rookie season due to you know struggles after having COVID. Yeah. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do. But um, we'll shout out Nino Niederreiter, who has 17 points in 25 games this season for Carolina, uh, whereas Victor Rask sits at 10 points in 21. That's actually not that bad, but he's making four million dollars this year. Yeah. <laughs> so poor Vis- Victor Rask, man. He was such a uh, he, uh, there was like this time when it was like pretty high hopes for him, but he was underrated coming from the whole Carolina situation. But uh, yeah, I remember him. The upside was supposed to be pretty good for him. And, you know, four million at the time. Well, it was like they were going to pay him for what they believed he could be because he didn't. Re- he never really put it together in Minnesota that I recall. He never really figured it out. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's funny because, uh, I mean, you look at his stat lines, he has. A career high of 48 points. How many games played? Is that a full um, season? As a Hurricane, 80 yeah. games, 48 points, and 15-16. That's pretty good for his age at the time was, what, 20? Uh, right about then, yeah. That was his... Oh, he was he was a couple years into his NHL career at that point. Uh, I think it, no, it was a sophomore year. So, yeah, he was 20, 20, 20 you know, 20, 21. Okay, right yeah. Around there. That's so. pretty good. You get almost 50 points out of a young guy like that. Like, yeah, that's... That's where that upside kind of came from. and Yeah. Whereas in Minnesota, three points in 23 games uh, once he was traded, 13 points in 43 games, and then 23 points in 54 last year. So goes from, hey, maybe 50-point potential to uh, 30, maybe 40 if we're lucky. Yeah. It's an interesting one. But, I mean, he was an early second-round pick, 42nd overall in the 2011 draft. Uh, selected immediately after him, Brandon Saad for Chicago. Oh, wow. Oh, it was that long. Damn, I thought it was not. 2011. Fuck, what? Yeah. Yep. Oh, boy. So, uh, Endo and I, the the little preview here, um, next video that we're working on is covering some guys who were kind of looked at as, as duds. You know, maybe not outright bust, but like, okay, you're useful in HL, you're not quite what you could be, though, when we selected you early on. Um, and then eventually they turned it around. Uh, looks like Victor Rask won't be that, but there are a couple players from this 2011 draft that could be considered in that category. But that was the Ryan Nugent Hopkins first overall draft. Oh, yeah. I can't The past 10 yeah. years since Seems Nugent a- Hopkins, Landeskog, and Huberto went top three. Yeah, I, I feel like Landeskog is older than them. Why do I feel like Landeskog is so much older because than Because he was named captain at like 19 years old. That's, that's very why. true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I do feel like he's like so much older than those guys. So why? Do, I don't. That's so weird. It's the Swedish. Yeah. 
I, I feel it's just the beard <laughs> and it, his style of play too. I always see a guy with his style of play and I'm like, yeah, he's old. <laughs> he mm. runs around and throws his body like crazy. God, I'm looking at that uh, that second round of 2011. Ooh, the uh, the Sharks at 47 took Matt Nieto. The Lightning at 58 uh. took Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember uh, that because because I I would always I, one time I got drafted by the Lightning in my Be a Pro when I was playing on my own. I was like playing with some guy named Kucherov. I'm like, who is this? He's pretty good. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. That thing was in to the do. AHL like, too. I was like on their AHL team playing with Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> God, I love looking back at drafts. I really do. Like obviously 58th. Like it's not just San Jose that missed on Kucherov. Okay. Every other team did, but yeah. it's always just fun to look at. Um, one uh, one thing that came out of the Winter Classic was Gary Bettman was interviewed afterwards, uh, and this was an article from Yahoo Sports, and I apologize to Stephen Sahogios. Sahogios, I'm not sure, Stephen. It's a hell of a name. Um, but essentially the headline, uh, what was asked of Gary Bettman was obviously about the Olympics, and he had mentioned in this article details that Bettman has been asking to move hockey to the Summer Olympics since the 90s. But the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, refuses to do it. Didn't it used to be in the now, Summer Olympics? At one point, it was held in the Summer Olympics. I don't know if it was a one-off or what complications uh, happened to be there. But I look at this and obviously... It would very much benefit the NHL. Like, ice hockey, the word ice is in the name. It belongs at the Winter Olympics. But if you think about what's best for business and for both sides, I do agree with Gary Bettman and the NHL owners that, yeah, if you could just move ice hockey to the Summer Olympics, there would be very, very few complications, if any, to allowing NHL players to go because it would not disrupt the NHL season. Whereas that's the big talking point now is, well, why isn't the NHL making a better effort to go in 2018? They don't want to stop their season. They can't continue their season when all their marquee players are over in South Korea in 2018. Like, obviously, it gets into the whole argument, but just in general, your thoughts. Like, I hear ice hockey at the Summer Olympics, and while it sounds funny, I would be 100% on board with this. 100%. One thing quick before we get into this. I just looked it up. So the inaugural event for hockey being at the Summer Olympics was the official event, like their first ever event. It was held in the summer. And I'm like, how the hell does that work? <laughs> like, like, obviously I had to read and stuff like that. So it took place in the 1920 Summer Olympics uh, in Antwerp and Belgium. It was also the first time that like organizer international hockey was new there, and it was also the first time they had the uh, the world championships there as well. I'm trying to figure out when they um, and then like the first Winter Olympic Games were then in 1924 in France, and then I believe right here. Uh, I think 28 they would have like immediately switched. Yeah, because <laughs> like, 1924 they kept it there basically. Hmm. And then they kept it the same year until 1920 Yeah. There you go. Fair enough. Sin, your thoughts. Ice hockey at the Summer Olympics. I don't think we'll ever see it. I mean, God, if Gary Bettman's sitting here saying that he's been asking for 20 years, almost 30, yeah. and it still hasn't happened, I don't think it's going to happen. But Yeah, I mean, I, it kind of go. 
like, here's the thing. It'd be great for the business of the NHL. Probably kind of great for the business of the Summer Olympics. Here's the thing. The Summer Olympics and the Olympics, the idea of it is more than just what's good for business. It's like this whole – there's like a spirit behind the Olympics. And so uh, how, how with the spirit of the Summer Games would it be to have a winter – sport in there you know hockey started as a winter sport it wasn't we have rinks let's cool them down and build some ice it was here's some fucking ice let it you know mm. I, I, I just stick so like i would love to see i would love to to have it so we could have nhl players there i just like yeah you said it's they've been pushing for three years probably won't happen and yeah i don't know if it you know it can to me it kind of goes against it i i don't know like yeah cool we get to see all these awesome dudes playing together like why, why not make our own fucking event where we can put mckinnon mcdavid make like i don't World know cup of hockey yeah that's what the same bring World back cup of the hockey. nhl all-stars remember that when we had an nhl all-stars you had the east all-stars the west all-stars but then there was the nhl all-stars like all of them. Put them well, on like the team. idea of like they changed the All Star game in what the late nineties to be Team North America versus Team Europe, didn't they? Or Team like, North America versus Team World? Yeah, mm. is what it was once upon a time. Oh, I didn't know that. I Which the, I, hate I also snuff. don't hate because. But then you get into the issue of even uh, even if you did that at the All Star game with Sidney Crosby go to represent Team North America at the All-Star Game? I don't think he would. Like, you need it to be about the individual country. Like, no disrespect, the 2016 World Cup was awesome. I have the Canadian jersey from that uh, and the U.S. one on my wall actually right behind me so right beautiful. now. They were beautiful. But oh nobody gave a shit about Team Some of Europe yeah. and Team Under 23. <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome, but, like, no one's going to really give a shit about that in a way. I mean, like, no doubt, like, the U.S.-Canadian final was uh, was heated, which was great. But, yeah, I mean, I just hope they find some solution because at the end of the day, we all know what we all want. We want to see the best players in the world playing at the best level against one another all the time. Yeah. Okay. sooner we get back to that, the better. If there's one thing I want to say, though, that I disagree with what you say about the, wor- about the, the young team, that team was the greatest hockey that I've seen completely. Like, just going out, shot out the dark. Did you see McKinnon deke the crap out of Freddy? Oh, my God. His jockstrap is still saying. on top there. His jockstrap is still at the roof of Air Canada Center. That's right. I said it. It's still up there. That was beautiful. I'm not saying it wasn't awesome. I love that tournament as much as the next guy. But in terms of, like, how much it meant... Like not even in the same ballpark as the Olympics. I thought it was awesome. That that was my that that's the part that I remember the most is Team North America is all those young guns being the underdogs and giving and you know and giving people a run for their money. Seeing McDavid playing with Matthews, like you know mm-hmm. that was great. Um, Again, it was awesome. Yeah, and I loved it. But I'm just I'm only talking about the scale. Like if they yeah. want to bring that back, I'm cool with it because yeah, it was great. And uh, do you think about right now who would be on that under twenty three team together? That was a once in a lifetime. Yeah. Lucas Raymond. Well, no, I'm thinking if you bring it back now and have that yeah. under 23 team. But then they're going to be William playing Eklund. against fucking McDavid and Matthews together. Like, well, not maybe together, but they'd be playing against McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby. Like, it's mm-hmm. a little less fair. The reason, I, a big reason the North American team did so well is because they did have Matthews and McDavid. Like, fair. You had yeah. the best player in the world and then probably the second best goal scorer. Um, I gotta look up who was uh, 
who was on Team North America. Let me let me look at this in full. Shout out to Team Canada that was uh, coached by Mike Babcock. What a guy. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Bab socks. He just sat back there. He's like, you guys are all good players. Go, go play. Yo, just go out there. Go, so go, Team go, North go. America in goal, uh, John Gibson, Connor Hellebuck, Matt Murray. Jesus. Wait, <laughs> Gibson was young enough for that? Damn. Yeah, he was, 20, was he was 23. Yeah. Wow. They're the like, fuck? hey, you, get on there. Get on the bus. The defense, Ekblad, Gostaspare, Seth Jones, Ryan Murray, Colton Pareko, Morgan Riley, Jacob Truba. X-Factor, Seth Jones. Pretty sick. Pretty decent, though. And then the forwards, Couturier, Druan, Eichel, Goodrow, Larkin, McKinnon, Matthews, McDavid, JT Miller, Nugent Hopkins, Brandon Saad was on the under-23 team. <laughs> Mark Shifley and Vincent Trocheck. That is a, I don't. That is a solid squad right there. That is yeah. that's a very good squad. I don't yeah. think you could feel the squad now with that same talent level. Yeah, but sure. it's easy to look back in retrospect because so many of those players did turn out to be great. But at the time, I feel like they were all pretty solid at the time. Like, how many twenty three and under players could we? Oh, we'd, we'd have to do that for. Another one. We'd have to all come up with a fucking list for that one. But yeah, yeah you know, that's it, what I was just trying to research now. Yeah. I'm like, on NHL.com, can I can I sort by how old people are? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually can in reverse. Um, like, the youngest player in the league right now is Cole Sillinger. Like, Cole Sillinger, Mason McTavish, Eklund, Drysdale, Lucas yeah. Raymond, Alex Holtz, Tim Stutzla. Lafreniere, there's Dawson enough Mercer. Of them. Yeah, there's enough of them, but do they make the same? In, it's hard. It's hard to say because it's easy to look back in retrospect and say those names and where they are now. You're like, oh fuck, but like, yeah, yeah. it's hard to say. Fuck. Would this team be good? You just gotta put them on the ice. Yeah, there you go. Last thing I wanted to talk about today, boys. Um, for some reason, over the past week, the entire argument has resurfaced. The Seattle Kraken and how they believed in analytics and it failed them. Analytics suck. I don't know how this conversation has come back up again. Um, my take on this as someone who said the Seattle Kraken would win the Pacific Division this year. The Seattle Kraken, like number one, this is a two-part conversation, right? And let's start off with talking about the drafts and the... The narrative that the Seattle Kraken drafted with an analytics-based approach. Bullshit. Bullshit. Absolutely not what happened. Complete revisionist history. Let's go through these picks. First and foremost, from the Anaheim Ducks, they took Hayden Flurry. That's fine. You weren't going to take Ryan Getzloff. You probably should have taken Danton Heinen with how well he's doing on Pittsburgh. That, that one's fine. Tyler Pitlick from Arizona, only to immediately flip him to Calgary. Was that an analytics-based pick? Not saying they had many great options, but they did have a, a certain Michael Bunting that they could have taken. I think that would have been the analytics-based approach. No, or he's likely. mine. Bunting's <laughs> mine. You're not taking him. He's mine. From the Boston Bruins, they took defenseman Jeremy Lozon. Decent enough pick. I mean, you know, you could have gone for Taylor Hall, who didn't have a contract. Uh, Andre Kasha, who was kind of a toss-up at the time. Like, that's, again, that's not a, a bad pick off of who they could have gotten. Mike Riley was without contract, too. From the Buffalo Sabres, they took defenseman Will Borgen. Was that really an analytics-based pick? Will Borgen, with barely any NHL experience, when uh, Jake McCabe was available 
who was a complete analytical darling, uh, currently now with the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, shit, you could have taken Jeff Skinner. Kyle Ocposo isn't too bad, depending on what metrics you look at. That wasn't exactly an analytics-based pick. You know where I'm going with this. I still want to go through them, though. Um, <laughs> Calgary, they took Mark Giordano. I mean, that that's who you were going to take from Calgary. Yeah. I mean, you weren't... Like, maybe you could have taken Sheelington, but you don't know that he was going to be as good for them as he's been for Calgary this year. Carolina. They took Morgan Geeky. Also available. Nino Niederreiter. Uh, Jake Bean. Dougie Hamilton. Sans contract, but still... Could it, let, let's be honest, you would you rather have Nino. Morgan Geeky? No. Would you rather have Morgan Geeky or the signing rights to Dougie Hamilton and then that period of time to be able to say to Dougie, what do you want? You know? Doesn't mean it would work, but Morgan Geeky, the analytical approach. I don't know about that, Chief. Chicago. They took John Quinville. John Quinville. The guy who's never, ever, like, been above the fourth line. <laughs> John Quinville doesn't even fucking play for Seattle. He's on a PTO with the ZSC Lions. Although I'll check that on Elite Prospects to see. Yeah, if that's the analytical <laughs> approach, your analytics Yeah, he's on the suck. ZSC Lions right now. How's he doing over there, though? Let's find out really Speaking quickly. German. I will say, other players they could have taken. You know, maybe Brett Connolly gets paid a lot. At least Brett Connolly could fucking play for you. Um, Calvin DeHaan, injury concerns, but analytical darling for sure. Shit, take Nikita Zadorov. At least he can play for you, but he's not good. Um, Quinville has 29 points in 32 games in Switzerland. So good for him. Yeah. Uh, from the Colorado Avalanche, they took Jonas Donskoy. I won't disagree with that. That's who you were going to take. I mean, Landeskog was technically available. You probably weren't going to be able to take him and then actually get him to sign. Right. You could have tried. So Donskoy, probably the analytical pick. You're telling me that taking Gavin Bayreuther from the Columbus Blue Jackets, not signing him, and letting him go back to Columbus was the analytical approach? Over risking it with Max Domi? Over taking Dean Kukin on defense? I've only gone through half of the teams, and we've had, what, three? Uh, not even half the teams, but the teams we've gone through so far, a quarter of the teams, half or third even. We've had, what, three examples of me being like, yeah, it was probably the best pick from an all-around yeah. perspective and an analytical yeah, perspective. They, they like, completely bungled it. I, I don't know yeah. where people are getting this idea that they built it through analytics. Like, Right. Yeah. And then you get into part two of this conversation, which is, well, people like me and other people that follow analytics still looked at this roster and said, we could see them doing well. It's not guaranteed, but we could see them doing well. Well, you were wrong and analytics were wrong. You look at this team on paper, though, and they're not that bad. They're not. Yeah, they made good signings. They, and... they, they are bad. But on paper, they should be better. There's a lot of teams like that in the NHL. Montreal, they're not that bad on paper. They're shit. It, it happens. <laughs> but again, like you look at this defense. Alexiak, Giordano, Adam Larson, Carson Soucy, Hayden Flurry, Will Borgen. 
uh, because of injuries to, or yeah, Jeremy Lozon's injured. Uh, Vince Dunn is currently out. I mean, Vince Dunn's obviously a big piece of that defense. You look at that defense, you say, oh shit, that's not that bad. It's pretty good, actually. And then you look, they bring in Philip Grubauer and Chris Drager. And that's exactly what the majority of us said on the show and what the majority of what everybody said. If their defense and goaltending is on point and they can be scrappy and get some goals, that's probably how they'd find success. They have not been scrappy in finding goals. Happens. Their defense hasn't been uh, that tough to beat. Boy, I wonder why. You hired Dave Hackstall as your coach. Trusted hockey man. Yeah. And then their goaltending, as we've talked about all season long, Chris Dreger, who was going to be the starter, 892 in nine games. Philip Grubauer, the $5.9 million man, 882 in 25 games. Rough. I don't see how this turned into... Well, I do, because people are ridiculous. This is not an analytics failed. See, this is why you can't trust analytics. Like The analytics tell you that your starting goalie having an 82 save percentage means you're going to suck. That's what it would tell you. Just nobody thought Grubauer would be this bad. Yeah. And I'm surprised to... to, to, for, by the idea that he somehow got carried by that Colorado team. I mean, they were a great team, but there were times where he was making some solid saves and looked good, and I maybe it's just the confidence and playing in front of that or behind that team. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. Yeah. It's Say just, what you want about the team he was playing behind, but how many goalies would drop this badly? Martin Jones. Last year in Colorado, he had a 9.22. Martin Jones. There well, he, he did a great though, to be fair, so. <laughs> he has an 882 this season so far. That's 0.3. You're telling me Seattle's that no, much worse four. than Colorado? Yeah. I don't think so, man. No. That's that's the goaltending not being up to snuff. And maybe I, I don't know. I don't know. Could it could it be slightly on the analytics? Sure. But to sit there and say, well, the coaching is questionable to begin with heading into this. The goaltending has completely fallen apart, and their depth scoring hasn't been great which we all identified as their weakest part of their team was the the forward core. I don't understand how that came back into the topic of conversation here. And I think that was one of the main things we talked about with Seattle. We were saying, hey, yeah, they can make the playoffs. They could also be trash. Maybe not, maybe not this bad. Maybe not, uh, oh, let's see where they are on point percentage right now. Maybe not the fourth worst team in the NHL. Off a point percentage right now. Like, who had them below Buffalo through 33 games? Not me. Nobody. Nope. Nobody. I don't care how much you're like, ah, no, the analytics are bullshit. I think they're going to be bad. You didn't have them as worse than Buffalo. You certainly didn't have Montreal in 31st. Montreal's in 31st after making it to the cup final. Nobody had that. It's not an analytics thing. It's a hockey's fucking weird and crazy shit can happen thing. The Islanders can be in 26th. How are they in 26th? They've gone to conference finals. They're in 26th. So, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's a two-parter. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on this, but I'm already sick of the Seattle discourse over trying to twist it into, see, this is why analytics are bad. Yeah. 
Um, it was one thing that I love is um, my reply to your tweet. Uh, you were talking about this uh, the other day. Was like Seattle looked at Haxton and was like, I can fix him. He's perfect. I can fix him. Like, this isn't like a romantic comedy. This, this is like your franchise. And this is something that they're going to have to live with and re- realize, like, are we going to stick with this guy and ride it out? Or are we going to have to find a better guy for a job? And God forbid they get another old man, member of the old boys club to go in and fill his spot. Isn't it interesting that Dave Haxtell went back and forth, make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, make the playoffs, and then get fired. Isn't it interesting that a lot of people are like, oh, well, Dave Haxtell was fired because the goaltending wasn't up to snuff. Hmm. Hmm. Why wasn't the goaltending up to snuff when Dave Haxtell was the coach in Philly? Was it the goalies? Hmm. Now it's happening again in Seattle. Hmm. 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 wonder what that could be. Pure coincidence, I'm sure. The Seattle conversation's fucking stupid. Yeah. Every year, we sit here, and we look at people, and we're like, oh, okay, yep, they're going to be good, they're going to be bad. And guess what? Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. Because crazy, crazy shit happens. The end. That's called sports. It's called sports. Sport! Boy, sports! Boys, thank you for, uh, uh, you know, letting me rant. I do appreciate it. That was I've been waiting to rant about that over the past... Uh, over the past couple of days, I almost made it a uh, you know an own separate uh, YouTube video on it. You know, it's funny though, as I am looking at this now, and um, shout to shout to Jay Fresh who put out uh, who put out an article about this. And here's a quote from it: "The Kraken have an eight seven four save percentage as a team, which is dead last in the NHL, and is on track to be the lowest in 25 years since the 1996 San Jose Sharks." They are. That's an. They have an extra goal conceded on every thirty-two shots compared to the league. I was when like we didn't even have a goaltender. We had like Wade Flaherty and. Well, let's see. Nineteen ninety-six. San Jose Sharks. Maybe we had Kelly Rudy. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> Definitely gotta look this up. So I don't know if he's talking ninety-five, ninety-six, or ninety-six, ninety-seven. Uh, Probably. But the... in ninety-five, ninety-six. Oh my God! It has to be ninety-five, ninety-six. Yeah, Holy probably. shit! Probably. Whoo. All right, so 95-96, the Sharks had 46 games out of Chris Terreri. Yeah, I remember. Noted, okay, I remember Chris Terreri. Noted Martin Brodeur backup. Yep. Terreri had the best save percentage on the team at an 883. <laughs> uh, not the best stat in the world. Some people, you know, call it out. But his goal saved above expected. Think about how that's worded. His goals saved above average, I should yeah. say. Goals saved above average for Chris Terreri. Negative 20.7. Oof. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, the legendary Latvian, Arters Irbe, he had twenty uh, or 22 games played. Had an 860 save percentage. Goals saved above average. Negative 23.3. And Wade Flaherty, who's in called out, 24 games, 866 save percentage, and a negative 22 goal saved above average for a grand total of a team save percentage of 872, a goals against average of 4.21, 
and a goal saved above average of negative 71.2. See, this is how expansion drafts used to go. You're expected to be this for a few years. You are comparing. Exactly. You fucking nailed it. That's how an expansion draft is expected to go. Their goaltending is as bad as the somewhat still new San Jose Sharks goaltending was in 95. But no, analytics failed. Nobody thought Grubauer and Dreger, and Joey Decord, I think, for a game or two, would be as bad <laughs> as this group. It's, it's, it's unfathomable that they are this bad. But they are. They also had a fourth goalie named uh, Jeff Sargent. Yes! S-A-R... I remember him from NHL 98. He backed up like <laughs> Kelly Rudy in that game or some shit. He played four games and had an endo-approved 839 save percentage. Hey, that's me, baby. French goaltender. Let's go. Ooh. Oh, God. So, yeah. A lot of different problems for the Seattle Kraken. We all question the draft, and rightfully so. They definitely did not approach the draft from an analytic perspective. No. And that's also a part of, hey, guess what? NHL GMs got a little bit smarter because no one wanted to get roasted like they did because of Vegas. Oh Nobody wanted that again. And then you still look at the team, and it's like, okay, well, hey, defense isn't that bad. They signed Grubauer. Could be good. And then Grubauer's shit because they also have a shit coach. Yeah. And Grubauer's shit. And it's almost like – I like. Yeah, it's Ron Francis, old hockey guy, hires trusted hockey guy coach. And you really mm -hmm. think they're going to get take this huge analytical approach? The, the teams that have taken the big analytical approach don't have those really old hockey guys that much. I mean, some of them do are able to accept analytics, but <sighs> so many of them don't. Fortunately, the Sharks are with, you know, Doug Wilson Jr. are starting to take that approach with their draft. And lo and fucking behold, they've had two good drafts. Instead of Mirko Muellering the first round. <laughs> All right, we get to end today's episode with looking at that particular draft because I have to. It's my favorite thing to do. Mirko Mueller was selected 18th overall in the 2013 draft. Yeah. In fairness, that 2013 draft was shit, though. So <laughs> it was, but still, yeah. there was. So 18 was Mirko Mueller, Kirby Reichel. And then Anthony Mantha, that hurts a little bit. Freddie Gauthier, Emil Poirier, Andre Burakovsky. But the next defenseman taken after Mirko Mueller I know. Uh, was eight picks later. Shea Theodore. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fun times. Fun times. <laughs> Boys, it's been a fun show. Uh, we will be back again this Friday, again Tuesdays and Fridays from now on, due to Sin and I's obligations with NHL Gamer, the premier, premier NHL 22-based eSports league. Of course, you are going to see the best of the best go head-to-head. -head. Sin and I will be there every step of the way with their elite division. It's our fourth or fifth season already yeah. covering this. We've been doing it for a while now. It's nuts. This is, um, is going to be our, well, it's like year-wise, this is like our third year, but like season-wise, yeah, I think it's like our fifth season because it's going to be technically the 13th. I think we started around nine or eight. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, so yeah. fourth, but but we also did it's a good North America stuff in there when we did that a couple times. That's how we started, yeah. actually. It was started on North America, and then, mm -hmm. and then we decided to... Crazy. 
delve into the, the land of Finnish and Swedish names, and we've never looked back. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to find us every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv forward slash NHL Gamer. And, of course, you can catch the boys everywhere. Endo Mills, well, Endo, what, what's going on with you streaming? Why? What, what do you have to plug to start 2022? Uh, so I was supposed to record a video a few days ago about because uh, I'm trying to make YouTube content. I'm trying to diversify my stuff. You know, don't throw all your eggs in one basket. Get that revenue coming in somehow. And uh, I put it off for a little bit. I've been working on some stuff for Tugi and for other content creators. Um, another disclaimer right now for this episode. I'm sorry if my microphone sounds bad. Um, you mentioned just, it. You, if you didn't fucking mention it, no one would No, listen, wiser. listen. Because I know someone in the fucking comments is going to mention it. And I'm going to be pissed off about it. I had Alex Don, good friend of the show, come to me and he was like, hey, listen. Do you need help? Because, like, <laughs> <laughs> is your mic? Like, we, we can fix this. Don't worry. I can help. I got a guy who can help you out. I'm like, it's okay. I think I figured it out. And then this fucking, my GoXLR Mini, because a few months ago, I was an idiot and I had a power hour with Kev. And, like, I met a bunch of cool people in that power hour, whatever. But I, I spilled beer in my power in this. And so I couldn't use the faders for a bit, right? This is the best plug. Yeah. I couldn't use the faders, so I could only use the, the, the digits. And now just stop working altogether. So I had to, like, go over to Polina and be like, hey, listen, I know you. I know I gave you my, my, my wave mic, but I need that for the podcast, at least. She's like, yeah, I don't even use it. Take it. Go ahead. And now we're here. And I'm messing around. Thank God, Ogato. Bless your heart, Ogato, for adding VST plugins so I can actually adjust stuff on the fly and have things be better. Uh, but uh, moral of the story, don't spill beer in your stuff. That was a, that was a very Irish story, but, like, you know, that's that's me. You can find me at Endo Mills on all social medias, everywhere you can find me. Twitter, uh, YouTube, um, Twitch, uh, your closet. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Same with you. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't have a story, but you can find me on uh, on YouTube at Sin FTW Productions, Sin for the Win Productions, where I am now introducing a whole new realm of content to my channel. So come check it out and watch me be insanely passionate and happy as I play nerdy ass games and don't suffer through NHL only NHL. I still play NHL, still got franchise modes pumping out, but I have expanded. And uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, for the occasional funny tweet at SinFTWProd. The occasional live tweeting of Sharks. Yeah, games. I've tried to lay off the live tweeting. I feel like it's it's very spammy. I probably get pushed down the algorithm and it's a little ragey sometimes because, well, the Sharks. There you go. Of course, I'm everywhere. Took it 24. Make sure to check out everything. Thank you all very much for listening. We will see you uh, this Friday. Again, go to getmanscape.com. 20% off, free worldwide shipping. Go get the tools to take care of your tool, you bunch of tools. Our favorite tools. Your hands, love you, and your sweet. <laughs>